Welcome to the How Great Events Happen podcast. I'm Brooke. And I'm Cody. And we are your podcast hosts, coming to you from the Cvent Podcast Studio in beautiful downtown Portland, Oregon. Yeah, and before we get to today's topic, we have a challenge for our listeners out there. That's right. We've been seeing a lot of interest in the podcast, which makes us feel awesome. But if you're listening right now, we want to encourage you to share the podcast. Just share to one other person. Help us spread the word. Yeah, that's right. And if you have that friend or colleague that is interested in staying in the know about all the live event topics and trends, send us their way. And as always, we encourage you both to subscribe, leave a review, and engage with us through the blog and email at podcast at cvent.com. Now, today's episode is about the art of moderation, and we are joined by Mark Jeffries, who is a professional MC. He has interviewed some really big names, including Will Smith, Serena Williams, and Sir Richard Branson, to name a few. Actually, some of you may recognize the name. Mark is known worldwide for his event MC and has been part of Cement Connect for several years. He has some really interesting information about when should you use an MC, how to get the most out of one, and where to find one if you don't have one already. Yeah, he's truly an expert. So let's hear more from Mark Jeffries. Mark, thank you so much for joining us. I just want to jump right in here. And the question everyone I'm sure is asking, which is why is it important to have an MC at events? Well, in the end, it's all about what you're putting on for your audience. If you are actually going to the effort and the trouble of bringing all these wonderful people together, maybe they're your customers, maybe they're your staff, you want to put on something which is going to be remembered, it's going to resonate, it's going to have an impact on these people. When you bring an MC, and specifically I'm talking about an external MC, somebody not from the organization, when you bring them in, uh, it shakes everything up. Everyone suddenly sits forward and thinks, oh gosh, this is actually more serious than we thought. Oh, they really mean business. This will be interesting. And more importantly than anything else, when it's not somebody from the C-suite, it's not somebody from the team as they know it, people kind of sit forward and pay more attention. I always compare it to kids. I'm not saying audiences are children because they're not. They're fantastic and they're all very, very adult. But when you uh, are a parent and you tell your own child that they probably shouldn't touch a hot surface because they're going to burn themselves, they don't always listen because it's dad saying it. But when a friend's dad or mum says it, then everything is different. And there's something bizarrely psychological about having an outside voice uh, be present at the event that changes the dynamic always for the better. Right. And that's interesting. Are there any events that you can think of that are more important for an MC than others? I think that any event can benefit from an MC. If I, if I look at the, the spread of events that I end up doing, I mean, honestly, they vary from a high audience. We've had 22,000 people in an arena at the Mandalay Bay in Vegas. That was probably the largest number. And the smallest numbers, I'll, I'll do events for 20 or 30 people. And typically, they'll be very senior leadership events where it's important to engage people in conversation. Uh, and very often, when it's internal people speaking to internal people, the conversation doesn't always extend further than what they always chat about. And so I think any event can can obviously benefit from a moderator. 
But let's be honest, there's an additional cost. And every single time a company reaches out to me, they go, hey, you know, we saw you, we saw you at Cvent, we saw you at this, this huge event, IBM event, whatever it might be. They always first go, um, and h- how much does it cost? Because it's always that additional expense. Do we have the budget? Do we have the funds? Does our event need uh, or deserve an MC is what they're thinking. Uh, it really comes down to your personal tastes. If you think that you want to put on an event that's going to be different, that's going to wow the crowd, then I would always say bring in an external MC. Yeah, I love that. Now here at C-Event, we have some big personalities in our C-suite. We have one in particular that loves to write poems and read them on stage. Um, Basically, none of these people are scared of being in front of a a big audience. And they would probably love to do some of this emceeing. And I'm sure you see that a lot, right? These leaders saying, why don't I just do it? Save us a, a few a few bucks here. Why isn't it a good idea to use your internal leadership in this MC role at your events? You absolutely can. However, here's the reality. So you'll often have your, you know, your head of sales, your, your sometimes they'll be a director of marketing and people will go, oh, they're, they're quite funny. They've got, you know, great energy. They'll do it. Here's your problem. Number one, it's very difficult internally to tell your senior leadership person that actually they're not doing it very well. In fact, it's impossible. So what will happen is year after year, even though they're not being as good as they could be, a very few people in the organization will be brave enough to step forward and go, hey, um, Jim, honestly, you just weren't that good today. And maybe it'll be better for you to be sitting on the panel answering questions um, than leading the panel trying to ask them, right? Very few people in the organization will be brave enough to do that because, you know, you might get fired. So what happens in the end is that that senior executive is constantly told they are fabulous and there's no improvement. Now, here's the other thing to think of. Let's say you are your director of sales, right? Your head of sales in an organization. Your brilliance, your expertise is generating sales, is client relationships, is customer service and customer excellence and all of those things that really matter to you. But when you go out in front of this incredibly valuable audience of customers and they've all heard wonderful things about you as head of sales and you're not very good at moderating, they will instantly decide that therefore you're not very good as a head of sales either. We heard he was great, but we've just seen him and and he wasn't that funny. He made a joke and it fell flat and oh dear, that's a bit awkward. So what happens is the brand of that person is suddenly reduced because instead of being who they are, which is the most amazing head of sales, they're up there trying to be something which is not core competency for them. They're trying to be a moderator and it doesn't quite go to plan. And now their entire brand is based on what everyone just saw. So what you're saying is don't quit your day job. <laughs> don't quit your day job. I, you know what? Yes, that would be that would be the short way of saying that. And by the way, some people listen. Some people in in the executive world are really good. That they're, they're they're absolutely on their toes. They're very good. They can command an audience. And if you have someone like that, and they are happy to play the role of moderator and leave behind their exec position, great. Save some money. Use them instead. But I'll tell you, if you want the audience to have a better time, uh, it's always best to find someone who who does this for their sole purpose. That's a really good question. And so I, what I'd like to, to know more about is really like, how can an MC bring more value to the event? You kind of just touched over like how um, 
know, it's really good internally to have somebody that's uh, that's not in the C-level, but how does an MC bring more value to the event? Yeah, and how can I convince my stakeholders to spend the money? You yeah, know, what, exactly. What, is, what are we getting for those dollars? So I think right at the top of the tree, it's, the, it's that professionalism. If you're going to spend all that money, we know what events cost. They, they are hugely expensive. They take up so many resources, so much of your time. And very often they are your once a year touch point with all the customers uh, or indeed your own people. If your intention is to put on a, a mediocre event, which just kind of passes by the skin of its teeth, you don't need a moderator. That is absolutely fine. You will get through it. There won't be a problem. And next year, you'll all be back doing the same thing. But if what your intention is, is to put on an event that people talk about, where ideas are woven together, where conversation is is drawn out and amazing stories are told, where there's moments of, of humor, where there are surprises, where there's somebody who plays the role of the audience's friend on the stage, asking their questions, uh, answering uh, their concerns, but at the same time making them laugh, keeping everybody awake and engaged, then that's the moment where you bring in somebody external because that's where the value lies. Uh, what I did at Cvent this year was I recorded a video on site that replaced the boring, normal logistics stuff that people do on stage. You know, you have your host says, okay, we'll download the app and don't forget the bathrooms behind you. And don't forget also we have the convention space uh, meeting area where you can network. It actually gets quite dry. So instead of doing it that way, I will go off with my camera and I'll shoot it. Or literally, I'll go to each venue of the hotel, of the conference center. I'll film it all, put it together on my laptop into a fun two-minute video. And then we play that out on the big screen. So there's another moment where you introduce and add value. Yeah, and we like to have fun at Cvent Connect. You know, the tone is is very inviting. We have lots of laughs, a lot of partying, you know, work hard, play hard. That's sort of our motto. But I have to imagine, because there's all types of events out there, there's sort of an art to finding the right MC for your type of event. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Well, there is. That's such a good point. Every audience is totally different. And you can you can roughly guess what their expectations are, what they will be like. And a lot of the time, you won't really find out until you're on site. So um, speaking hugely broadly and generalizing massively, let's say it's a very senior financial financial services audience, and it's a Monday morning and a Monday after lunch. This is not going to be a major fun-loving crowd. You can pretty much guess that. So what do you do as a moderator? What do you do as an event planner? You shift the language to suit them, right? Everything has to be designed around the needs of the people in front of you. So when you have an audience like that, what I always do as, as an MC, as a moderator, is I shift my language and I make sure people understand that, you know, my background was finance. I get it. I lived and breathed their world as well. And, you know, let's get into this stuff. And then as you slowly build the connection with them, you find those opportunities for humor, moments of levity, and you can actually start to turn them into who they are, which is real people. You know, Mark, it sounds to me like you just ask a lot of critical questions that maybe planners didn't think about. And so I think I might know the answer to this, but can you let us know if, you know, having an MC might create more work for planners or maybe less? It doesn't. Okay, hold on. Let me think about this. Does it create more work? It, it doesn't. It creates a, a different level of engagement. So the event planner suddenly doesn't have to worry about writing the introductions and the bios for every single speaker for maybe the executive to have to deal with because the moderator is going to take care of that. 
But there is some work in having to explain to a new moderator, this is who we are, this is what we care about, this is what we're hoping to achieve at the event. But a good moderator should then take a lot of that follow-on work off the shoulders of the event planner. And what I've found over the years is a lot of people, event planning isn't their constant day job. So, for example, there'll be a tech organization that I, there's one I work closely with. I won't say their name. I love them. They're fabulous. And the main person who plans the event, she works on this for about seven months of the year. The other time, she's actually doing her day job. It's something different. It's involved in the marketing function. So she is not a 100% professional event planner. So where a good moderator can come in and make life so much easier is in helping that person to see uh, where the holes are. What, what have we missed? What could we still add to it to improve the success of the event? I, I will always say, send me the agenda. Let me look at it and I'll tell you what I think. I'll often say to people, hey, you know, this opening session, it's two and a half hours. It's too long. People are going to need a break. We're going to lose people. And the event planner who's in charge of this particular session will go, you know what, you're right. Okay, let's move the break. Let's do this. Let's do that. And it's not adding work. It's changing the nature of work. It's at, it's almost like bringing in a consultant who does some of the heavy lifting for you. And I like to think, I mean, I don't say to people, hey, guess what? I'm also your event consultant. But I like to fulfill that role because I think that's how you make everyone's lives a little bit easier. So it's not more work. It's different work. Yeah. And the and sort of where this question came from too is being an event technology, we get this question a lot. For example, if a planner's thinking about adding a mobile event app to the events that they're hosting, their first question is, you know, am I going to have to learn all about mobile apps and is this going to create more work on my plate? And the answer is always, you know, similar to what you said. You learn about it up front, and it's going to save you so much time on the other end of that. Um, you're really you're really up leveling that event experience as well. And it sounds like you work hand in hand with these planners, especially when it comes to what the experience is going to be like and making sure that the MC is really enhancing that experience. So, does the planning team end up spending a lot of time with you on helping to build that content? Does it kind of depend on the event? I mean, do they have that input to make sure that they are getting exactly what they are kind of expecting from this MC? All right. So this is a great question. And it always divides into two different groups. Group A is organizations that have never used me before, and they're not quite sure what's going to be involved, and they are ready to spend hours briefing me, which of course isn't necessary, but but they're very concerned about this. And their other concern is, how on earth are you going to be able to to know enough about our business to, to step onto the stage and, and speak like one of us? There's a, there's a huge worry. And then there's group two. And this is people who have worked with me before. They uh, know I'm just going to get it done. And they're so relaxed. They send me a running order a week before and we just all turn up on site and it goes really, really well. So to the first group, and I totally understand it. You know, if I was bringing in a complete stranger who was going to be the first person on stage who was going to introduce my CEO and my CFO, I would also be terrified uh, because you just don't know what to expect from this person and you want to spend hours and hours and hours briefing them. But here's the truth. All these challenges that you have within your organization that you think are so unique 
uh, to you and your people, of course, it's it's almost the same everywhere. So my perspective is is quite unique, and I am so fortunate and so lucky. I spend every week with a different C-suite, right? I'm always with a CEO. I'm always with a CFO of all these different organizations. And what happens very quickly is you get to understand what drives them, what the challenges are, or what the concerns are. If it's a question on cloud or cybersecurity or Internet of Things, or it's a question on, you know, how many hits are we getting on a piece of marketing material? I, I hear the same conversations over and over again. So my job as a moderator coming in is to make sure that that brand new team who are understandably really nervous, very anxious, they know that they have a, they have a friend in me that I have been there and I've seen it, I've done it before. And they can brief me for as long as they want to, but they don't have to. There are just the basics I need to know. And it's about asking the right questions in those lead-up meetings so that the planning team can then get on with planning an incredible event. And then I'll do my bit. But they often won't realize that until event one is over. And then they'll come up to me and they'll go, oh my goodness, it was it was like you were one of us. And actually, that's the, the number one question I get asked more than anything else after an event is, how did you know so much about our business? You speak like you're one of our team. And I'm not giving away the secret here because there is no secret. It's simply that we're all going through the same challenges in business. And it's as simple as changing the language a bit, changing the jargon a bit, and instantly you are you're one of a new group. And I love that. To me, it's just the greatest honor in the world. I love hearing that more than anything else. You know, Mark, um, I've, you know, let me just take it back a level here. Um, I've heard a couple of different terms getting thrown around. We have MC and moderator. And I you know, forgive my ignorance, but what is the difference between an MC and a moderator? So I would say that, and by the way, can we just clear one thing up? People are very um, anxious to know whether it's MC spelt E-M-C-E-E or MC, the letters M and C. <laughs> that was me. And I can tell you, right, <laughs> I'm delighted to inform you that the answer is, it's very simple, it's M and C. MC, as your listeners will know, stands for Master of Ceremonies, right? The person leading the event. MC, E-M-C-E-E, is almost like the initial spelt out into a word. So if you think of the FBI, right? If the FBI was spelt out into a word, it would be, uh, let's see, E F B E. E E Y E. That would be FBI spelt out, right? Nobody does that. It's just the FBI. So it's the MC. Now, to answer your question, I'm glad we've cleared that up. To answer your question, there is a difference between an MC and a moderator, or as we used to call them in England when I was living in the UK, a facilitator. It sounds even posher, doesn't it? But a moderator or a facilitator is someone who drives the conversation. It's someone who you can put on a panel or a fireside chat. It's someone who you can sit right next to Will Smith or, or Serena Williams and have them lead a one-hour conversation. Now, an MC, just a pure MC, theoretically wouldn't be in the position to do that. That person would introduce a speaker, an executive, would introduce the fact there's a break, would maybe run a few games, would tell people about the app. The kind of basics of emceeing is just keeping the event going. But the intricacy of the moderator's role or the facilitator's role is then taking it one stage further. It's having the conversations. It's jumping out into the audience with a microphone and getting some conversation going, asking questions, asking people to come up with ideas, then connecting ideas together, constantly thinking about what's been said, linking one speaker's message to another's message to make a point that everyone will take home with them. 
that's what a moderator would do for you. Interesting. So it sounds like there are MCs out there that could also serve as moderators. Because if I remember correctly, last year you interviewed Bethany Frankel, right, on stage as part of the, well, she's my favorite. So of course I remember that more than anything um, next to you, Mark. But yeah. um, And then you also did a lot of the emceeing this year and last year as well. So maybe that's a good question to ask when you're looking for somebody who could emcee your event if you need a moderator as well. I I think you're absolutely right. I mean, if you want someone to create the entire experience for you, you need someone who can both emcee and moderate. And it'll be unusual to find a moderator who can't emcee. I mean, it happens. For example, I've seen at other events where I've just been asked to emcee, they'll bring in, uh, say, a print journalist to interview an executive or a celebrity and uh, they are then moderating the conversation. And I've, I, as MC, I've introduced them onto the stage. And I, you know, look, this is, sometimes it goes well. Other times it doesn't work so well. They might be the best print journalist whose articles are so compelling and, and you just want to read everything they write. But when you put them onto the stage, they're not actually as effective uh, in a live situation. There's a whole art and a science to understanding a live audience that sometimes people on the print side don't always get. I'll share one tip with you right now. So this is called the cough count. And I (laughs) realize this, I've been in the business for 20 odd years, ridiculous. I can't believe how fast it's gone. But I've realized that when an audience starts to get a bit bored of a speaker or a session of some sort, you will hear them coughing. And the coughing actually increases in number. It's almost like one person hears another person coughing, realizes, oh, it's probably okay because this is all a bit boring now, and they cough too. And by the end of it, it sounds like you're in a hospital ward somewhere. It's unbelievable. So if you're ever in a presentation and you hear the coughing going up, it means you're losing the audience. Now, If you're a really strong moderator, if you are running that panel discussion, you hear it happening. By the way, it should never get to that point, but you hear it happening. You're going to change the conversation. You're going to bring somebody else in. You're going to end it a few minutes early. There are many things you can do to make sure the audience gets what they need. Um, There will be other opportunities uh, for you to shine as a moderator where you suddenly realize they've not moved for two hours, this audience. They're getting very edgy. You give them a tiny stretch exercise, something to do that takes all of 30 seconds, and they will thank you for it because you feel their pain. So the moderator is is very connected with the audience. They, They are one of them. They just happen to be up on the stage. I will never forget that story about coughing in the audience. And now I'm going to notice it every single time it happens. We're going to be paranoid oh, from now on. You'll be amazed. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my goodness. I have one great client of mine. He's a CMO. He's been at four different organizations. He takes me to each one to be his you know, moderator. And we both look at each other when we hear the coughing. That's so funny. Um, okay, so we have an MC who's also a moderator. What else could this person potentially do to help enhance the event? Like, you made really fun videos. What else have you seen? this role fulfill out of live events i think the videos is uh the videos is new because technology lets us do it we have such fabulous uh, video and audio based tech now that anyone can become instantly a broadcaster i think the other thing that your your event mc and moderator has to be is 
what I always like to, to hope people see me as is the heart of the event. And if you're the heart of the event, you are always on. You don't get off the stage and then just walk through crowds of people with your eyes down. You talk to people, you connect. I always go to the coffee breaks, into the exhibition areas, and I meet people, I shake hands. And this is not because I want some moment of glory. It's because I, I want to hear what people are saying. You know, what people will always tell me as the moderator what they really think. And I gather all that information. And when I sit down with the planning team at the end of day one, I'll say, hey, listen, people loved it. They thought it was fantastic, but they wish they had more time for networking. I heard this today, right? So I think that your moderator should constantly be the heart of the event, both on stage, but also off stage as well. And don't just let them race off to their room at the end. Have them come for a little debrief session at the end of the day. Ask them what they thought. Ask them what they heard and what they saw. And you'll be amazed how much additional insight this external person will give you. And by the way, there's another argument for not always using your internal people as the MC, as the moderator, because that external person ends up being trusted uh, with the real opinions of the audience. It's fascinating, the psychology behind that. That's a really good point. You know, Mark, you're certainly an experienced MC. I think everybody can agree upon that. But I want to ask, like, how do you see the format of keynotes changing when there's like a seasoned MC such as yourself? I do see formats changing, uh, but not as much as you'd imagine. I mean, when you look at how technology has changed and what we can do over the last 10 years, it is a completely different world. And yet, in the event space, we're still stuck with this old idea that we put up the most senior executive for 45 minutes with a PowerPoint slide deck, then the next most senior executive for 45 minutes with a PowerPoint slide deck. And I I can't believe that we haven't moved on. Now, some companies are definitely being more adventurous. But what, what often holds people back from change is fear. Because if you delivered an event last year that went really well, and you were congratulated for it, you are not incentivized to make huge sweeping changes because what happens if it doesn't work? Then you might lose your job. So nobody wants that. So what people do every year is exactly what they did the previous year because it worked then. So I see the bravest of people doing things differently. So there's one client of mine. uh, We did an event in Monaco, which was great. And they set up, it was a breakout. Admittedly, it was a breakout, but it was a very large breakout. Now, in the old days, they would have had a stage with a speaker, maybe a conversation, and then another speaker. But what they did this time was they had five different visual setups around this room. The audience sat in the middle of these five setups. And then I, as host, would jump onto stage one, mini setup stage one, and say, okay, the first thing we're going to talk about now is battery power, because without battery power, how on earth can we have an autonomous electric future? We have this incredible expert from so-and-so university, and here they are now. They came onto the first setup, which was all designed around batteries and power. They did their presentation. I jumped up afterwards, asked them a few questions. We got a round of applause. I jumped off stage one and went to stage two. Now the conversation continues. Okay, then, so what would autonomous cars look like? Well, we have this expert. So it felt different. It was very vibrant. I loved it. It it kind of brought me even more to life. And I loved the fact they were trying something different. The audience had to shuffle their chairs around. So they were always facing uh, the main bit of stage that was in action at that point. And then at the end of the entire session, everyone could get up and walk to the area they thought was most interesting and then have direct conversations with the speaker who was still hanging around. So I like that. Um, I'm seeing a lot more video being used now uh, at smart events where 
you will have the main stage sessions and then there'll be almost like a live TV event going on in a separate area. And typically they would use me to run over to the live TV area and then I'm doing interviews for smaller groups who can pick and choose the bits they want to listen to. Something I saw at one event, which was really brave and kind of crazy, I didn't think it would work, but it did, was... Have you seen those silent discos that the kids go to now, right? You go to a disco, you all wear headphones. If you walk into this room, it's like all you hear is people shuffling around because they're dancing. Well, it was like that, except instead of music, it was a choice of three speakers. So this client had split the stage into three. The audience could sit wherever they wanted and they could look wherever they wanted. But the headphones they had on had a special three-way switch and they could listen to one or two or three. And if they started getting bored of one, then they could flip to two. And if they started getting bored of two, they could flip to three. And where it was really interesting was that the speakers on stage had a little, I guess it was just a digital readout that showed them how many people were listening at any one time. They could see their own numbers dropping if they were getting boring. Can you imagine? That's terrifying. (laughs) It was great. And um, and then uh, to my I didn't see it, but to my knowledge, outside in the overflow area were different screens featuring each one of these individual presentations. And people, again, had headphones and they could choose which ones they wanted to listen to. That was really cool. That is really cool. There's definitely no yawning in that or no coughing in that audience. (laughs) There was definitely no coughing. You had no no time to cough. You just switched your channel. Well, it's almost like we're constantly battling the attention spans that are dwindling of our audience. I mean, because it's just happening. I think once you and I, Mark, talked about how instead of just having your CEO stand on stage for an hour, like maybe it's a 15-minute presentation and then it's a sit down Q&A, you know, just kind of like shaking things up a bit to keep everybody engaged. Oh, absolutely. And in fact, I now actively encourage each of my clients in the planning phase, because as, as we discussed, I always get on a call or two calls during the planning phase. And I go, you know what, why don't you do exactly that? It, it say to them, they've still got their 40 minutes, but they'll do 25 minutes of keynote and then 20 minutes of a fireside chat. I call it the Jimmy Fallon approach. And it's just like they have a comedian come out. They do a stand up for five minutes. They come over to the couch for five minutes. It's the same thing. But I say, but here's the value. Here's the power of it. You're not taking uh, time or glory away from this executive. What you're actually doing is you're helping them shine even greater. Because the minute they're in a conversational format, the real person comes out. They're they're so much friendlier than in presenter mode. Uh, You can ask them questions that give them an opportunity to reinforce a really important point. And, and this is the role I always play as a, a moderator, is you can answer the most cynical viewpoint of the audience. You know, if a, if a CFO is saying, look, we're going to need to cut back on bonuses next year, the most cynical member of the audience is like, why should I keep working? If you're going to pay me less, I'm out. So my job in the fireside chat after the CFO has presented this information is to say, now, what would you say to me, Mr. CFO or Mrs. CFO, if I was sitting here thinking, why would I even bother working anymore if you're going to pay me less? You better tell me why I need to stay right? Then the CFO, she has a chance to actually tell me why this matters, why it's important and why it's actually good news. Because if it was just the presentation only, the audience has already made up their mind and mentally they've checked out. But now we move into this little conversation point, this executive or this speaker gets a chance to justify, to reinforce, to remind. It's very powerful. 
And finally, it's actually more watchable. We all prefer to watch an interview if it's done well than somebody standing there and just just talking and talking. I say one I say one thing over and over to my clients. I say, look, don't forget this. We are all humans. We go home in the evening, we flop down on the couch with a drink, we put the TV on, whether it's Netflix or Hulu or it's regular television, and we flip around looking for something interesting. If we find a TV show that features a man in a suit talking in a monotonous fashion with a boring slide deck filled with words, if we see that as an option, will we watch it? The answer is always no. And yet, this is what most companies give to their audiences. So true. The entire time you were talking, Cody and I were nodding our heads, and that makes so much sense to being able to ask the tough questions. It's kind of like before when you were saying you don't want to have your you know, head of sales emceeing your event because you can't give them real honest feedback. It's sort of the, the opposite as well. You know, It really benefits the audience. Oh, without a doubt. You've got to remember, we do this for the audience. That's another question to ask your team. Are we putting this event on for our C-suite to feel good about themselves? Or are we putting the show on for the audience? Well, I'm sold. I need an MC at every single event. But now the tough (laughs) questions start, Mark. And I know this could be an impossible question, but... For our audience that's thinking, okay, I want to get out there. I want to add this element to my event. What should they be expecting as far as cost is concerned? Well, obviously, everyone is different, without a doubt. Look, I've been in this business for for some 20 years. They tell me that I'm one of the best. I don't believe it, but that's what I'm told. So I price accordingly. And in life, we all have so many days given to us. My inventory is a day at a time, and I can only spend one day with one organization or with my family, right? That's the choice every single time. So I price in a way that suits who I am now, who have become the experience I bring. Uh, And it's no secret. You can find it online. You can see it in different uh, bureau websites. Very often, clients will go, you know, we want you for three days, Mark, and can you do something? And of course, if it's a three-day engagement, then, you know, I always flex and I always find a way to make it work. Interestingly, for my keynote speech, because as you know, I do a lot of keynote speaking, uh, my keynote speech, The Art of Business Influence or The Art of the Perfect Presentation, uh, it's more expensive, even though I'm only there for an hour. When I'm moderating, I'm there all day long. I'm with the client from 7 a.m. for rehearsals all the way through to the evening time. And yet that costs less than me doing a keynote speech for one hour. And there's a reason for that. And the reason is everyone has a, a perception, an idea of what a speaker should cost. And it's always at that uh, higher level. Most people in the business think, well, a moderator isn't really essential, I guess, so maybe they, they're going to have to be cheaper. And as a result, I do, in fact, always come in at a lower price than the keynote speaking fee. Uh, but there, again, the numbers work uh, in, in, in all favor on that because very rarely will I get an engagement where I'm hosting and moderating for a single day. It's typically two, three or four days. And, um, and thank God I'm so busy. I love it. I, I wouldn't do anything different. And sometimes clients will say, we just can't afford you. And that's absolutely fine. I'll say, let's stay in touch. You never know. We might find something we can do later on. I had one client had me video record all the intros and outros, and they played them out on the big, big screen. And that, <laughs> they saved money doing it that way. It's not the same thing, uh, but it was a solution in that way. 
That's a really interesting idea, doing the videos. I mean, and it sounds like there's a range here, and it depends on what your budget is and what kind of events. Right. I'm sure if you're it's a really, really inexpensive. You're probably going to get what you paid for, but there is a range out there. I know uh, MCs and moderators uh, who will happily uh, do a job for six, seven or 8,000 for the day. And absolutely right. You, you do get a different product and, that, and maybe that's actually the product you want. And I think that's great. But it's like anything. Everything has a different value. You can buy a car at one price or you can buy a car at another price. You can buy a keynote speaker at one price or you can buy a keynote speaker at an insane price. What you're buying is the experience, the value, and most importantly, trust. You want to be able to trust the person you put on that stage to represent you and your brand. And you want to know that it's going to work rather than hope that it's going to work. So, so Mark, let me just get this straight. Like, if I'm throwing an event, like, you're the first person I'm going to call. You are obviously. my MC, obviously. <laughs> but for, for all of our Thanks. listeners out there, like, how would they get a hold of an MC? Like, how do they even start? So finding an MC is, it's a, it's a tricky... It's a tricky job because it's interesting. You will find every speaker bureau out there will have a thousand speakers and will go, here are a thousand speakers. You choose. Good luck. Uh, on the MC front, there's, there's definitely less choice. I'm not entirely sure why because to me, it's the most wonderful art form. Uh, I think that to do well as an MC, you have to have a combination of skills. Uh, so, you know, thinking about myself, I was a stockbroker. So I understand business and finance and numbers. I was in television. So I understand about the voice and how to broadcast and how to compel people to keep watching. And of course, I'm in the event space as well. So I guess it's quite rare to find a combination like that. But there are definitely other hosts, MCs and facilitators out there. So a speaker bureau is a good place to start. Of course, I can't tell you how often I'm found um, just by Google. It's crazy. I mean, the majority of my jobs are because somebody was sat in an audience. They saw me hosting an event. They wrote to me direct, which is what I love, by the way. And they go... We saw you at this event. Could you come and host our event? That to me is perfect because it's all done. Uh, the next most regular result of a, of a search will be because someone's gone to a speaker bureau. And most of the speaker bureaus in the US have, have heard of me and they'll either suggest me or like three or four others. And then the client will decide and then I'll hear from the bureau. But then again, uh, going back to the Google point, it's amazing how often people will just find me because they Googled MC, moderator, event and I'll come up along with others as well. And then the most important thing to look for when you're choosing a moderator beyond anything else is their video reel, their sizzle reel, or as we called it in the UK, the show reel. That show reel should present to you in the space of four or five minutes max everything they can do for you, who this person is. If the reel doesn't show them doing what you're buying them to do, what you're bringing them in to do, then do not book that person. And by the way, the same is true of the, of the keynote speaker. Watch their speaker reel. See what they, what they talk about. Keep asking yourself, will this work for our people? Uh, it's tough. I, I, I can't imagine how tough it is to look through all that content and make a decision. But with the moderator side, you've, you've got to find someone who, yes, looks good on paper, online, but that video has got to compel you. Thank you so much, Mark, for joining us. The last question we always like to ask our guest is, where can we learn more? This has been so interesting, but very short conversation. Where could our audience learn more about integrating an MC into their event or finding one that would be a really great addition to that experience? Well, let's see. First of all, I would be remiss 
to not guide you to markjeffries.com. Uh, if you go to markjeffries.com, you will see an example of how a, a speaker and a moderator presents themselves and puts together certain key videos uh, for you to watch to understand the value and the benefit that they can bring to you. So I would definitely start there. Second of all, I think you just start with the search and start with those conversations. If you've decided you do need to bring in an MC and you do need that extra assistance to add a whole new level to your event, then definitely talk to the industry, talk to your contacts, Google, completely Google everything that you can to find out who's out there. And also speak to the speaker bureaus. I think the speaker bureaus sometimes, the really reputable ones, uh, can be a great guide for you as well. Uh, but make sure that you sit and you watch those videos. And if they haven't put together a decent video of themselves, it typically means they probably haven't got the footage to show. So don't go there. And on the other side of the coin, if somebody is listening to this podcast and is interested in becoming an MC, I believe you have some resources for that as well, right? Well, I do. Now, I don't know um, what date you're going to be dropping this particular podcast, uh, but on August the 23rd, which is obviously either in the past or in the future, that's 2019, I'm actually staging the first, uh, I'm calling it the Mark Jeffries MC Masterclass. It's the inaugural Mark Jeffries MC Masterclass. I'm doing it here in Boston. And I put out um, a little bit of a LinkedIn campaign about two months ago, and instantly it sold out. And these are people who want to improve their skills at moderating. They're either in the business or they're internal people who want to be better at doing it internally. Uh, they are people who just want to be part of the industry. So they've all signed up and they're coming along to the, uh, the Western Hotel in Boston. And I'm doing a whole day with them. Very immersive, very intensive. And I can't wait to find out how that goes because it's my first one too. So I'll report back, but that will be a great, I'm going to try and turn it into a series of events. And if you want to be a moderator, if this is something that you know you can absolutely crush, uh, then maybe get in touch with me for, for when the next one takes place. I love that. Yeah. Sounds so interesting. Sign me up. Yes. Well, thank you so much again, Mark. This was so insightful. I'm sure our audience is going to learn a lot. And we really just appreciate you taking the time. Yeah. Thanks, Mark. That was so insightful. I really never knew there was that much to being an MC. Yeah. You know, and I feel like every event has an MC in some way, but there's always this question about should we use the marketing dollars? And honestly, it sounds like the money is well worth it. Yeah. And if you want to hear more about the art of moderation, head on over to cvent.com slash podcast. And remember, help us spread the word. Tell a friend or two and subscribe. This will ensure you don't miss a single episode. While you're there, give us a rating and a review. And if you have suggestions for future topics, email us at podcast at cvent.com. Now, next week, we will be talking to Adam Perry, who is part of the Event Industry News Podcast. And it's really cool because we were actually in interviewed recently by the Event Industry News and thought we should bring Adam on to talk about how you can leverage podcasts as part of live events. It's an episode you won't want to miss. So we'll talk to you then. Bye.